This episode is brought to you by Zeratech Software Development. Are you a company whose commitment to excellence demands effective software tools? Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help build or enhance your technological systems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. You can find them at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. Hey guys, today on the podcast, I sat down and chatted with Mike Stieber. Mike was my middle school principal. He was my basketball coach. I graduated with his son, Andy. So he would help coach probably from third grade up through JV. And then he was assistant coach for Michael Ojala, uh, as on my, for my varsity team. Uh, but I really appreciated this one. It was, a. Uh, conversation I wanted to have with him because he had a big impact on my life uh, and helped guide me through just life lessons that basketball teaches you, that sports teach you, um, and and just the way he interacted with us as kids or as as players or whatever it might be, uh, just was somebody to exemplify and just taught me some really cool lessons or, or I should say maybe some hard lessons that you learn through life. Uh, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. Fun to sit down and have some of these conversations and hear what some of this basketball and coaching world has meant to him and teaching that whole bit. Uh, so I enjoyed this one. I hope you guys do also. Welcome to the obsessed podcast. I'm your host, Logan Herkus. In this podcast, we get to meet and hear from folks who are obsessed with a wide array of interesting endeavors. We dive into some awesome stories and look at the mindsets and the psychology of those who are obsessed. Let's go. Mike, thanks yeah. for coming in today. Well, thank you for having me, Logan. I appreciate it. Yeah. F- feels weird to even say Mike, right? You're always Mr. Stever. <laughs> yeah, you can you can call me Mike. You've earned that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we'll go in many directions. And But before I do, because I'm curious to ask you about your history with basketball, coaching, being a principal, some of the stuff you're working on right now. But outside of that, in the theme of the Obsessed podcast, do you have passions? Music maybe too, right? But do you have passions that I'm unaware of that I would have never known? Yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, I do uh, have a passion with music and running. I've always been a runner. Okay. So I've always run a long distance. Um, but in the last 10 years, I've really taken up playing guitar and singing old country music. And yeah, yeah I'd say that's one of my leading passions right now. Yeah. And was music there forever? Did you play music as a kid? You know, music, I always I always wanted to be a singer, okay. even when I was a little kid. But growing up, um, for whatever reason, in my head, I thought that to play or sing in a choir would wasn't cool yeah and so it's always been in the back of my mind and i'd say in the last 10 years i finally had enough courage to learn how to play guitar and sing out in public and i've really enjoyed that yeah because you have you have you gotten into that like as far as doing some shows and stuff like that yeah we've had some gigs uh i haven't played out in the last couple years okay uh, just because we've been so busy but yeah i have played out and we've had a few gigs there's just another friend of mine and and i we play and we we called yesterday's wine so (laughs) (laughs) getting better with time i say but yeah yeah. so we've i've tinkered in that a little bit what's that feel like i mean to finally get you know it's sort of like uh it's a nerve-wracking kind of thing because i really like to play music and and sing just for enjoyment but um when you're playing at a gig or whatever you feel a little pressure and and that part i don't necessarily like because i just want to enjoy it okay but it's uh it's uh quite a thrill to be able to play that's for sure yeah what was that 
And again, we'll jump around. I bet yeah. you want to ask you about basketball yeah. and all that stuff. But what was that like the first time you did finally go play? Oh, my gosh. I was so nervous. I couldn't breathe. Every yeah. song I played, I played too fast. And I was forgetting words. And my hands were shaking. Oh, I was nervous as could be. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, looking back at it, it was sort of a train wreck. Yeah. But now I'm to the point where I really don't care. I'm pretty comfortable in front of people. And, yeah, it's yeah. it's a lot easier. So it was a train wreck, right? But was there a part of it like, yeah, this is cool? I mean, what, how did that feel? Or was it like, oh, I survived somehow? Yeah, it was uh, It was a combination of both. You know, there was, I had a lot of compliments. And and uh, there's a lot of people that were surprised that I, I did that or that I could sing. And mm-hmm. um, But it was sort of a, like, oh, my, I, I, I got to practice a little <laughs> bit more before I do that again. So, yeah, but it all worked out. And yeah. you got to start somewhere. Okay. So reverting to basketball yeah uh, you were my coach for many years through the yeah. years graduated with your son andy right so That's we had right. a lot of exposure um the story i heard and i don't know if this is where, where i got this from but you were you were a hockey player till middle school at some sort or, or high school even and somebody converted you over to basketball or how did what was what was your introduction to basketball and where did that take you well i grew up in white pine and um i played hockey until i was 16 years old okay and so I didn't start playing basketball until I was in sixth grade. So I remember the first time we had we picked teams, I was the last person picked. Yeah. And um, so basketball was something I started later in life. And I, I distinctly remember, Logan, when I was at hockey practice and I was walking back home with the stick over my shoulder and my skates and I walked by the White Pine High School and I, I saw all the cars in the parking lot and the door was open because there was so many people in there. And I stuck my head in there. And I, I looked at a crowd of 1,500 people having a White Pine versus Uintro Creek basketball game. I was like, oh, yeah, I want to be in the center of that. Right. <laughs> and so that's when I was like, hmm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after basketball because huh. hockey was so small in our town. The only folks who come watch you are your parents. Yeah. And not that it, that was what it was all about, but. I knew I wanted to be a part of that basketball program. Yeah. How old were you then when you walked by and did that? I was probably around 12. Okay. Yeah. And sixth grade-ish is when you first yeah. started playing. Then, yeah. But you continued hockey I as you hockey. played basketball? Yeah, I played hockey until I was like a, a junior. Okay. So I'd hide my hockey stuff in the car Yeah. or outside, and then I'd go from basketball practice to hockey practice. And my head coach finally sat me down and he said, you know you need to make a commitment one way or the other. And yeah. he, he didn't even need to finish what he was saying. I was like, okay, I quit hockey. Right. Because yeah. I really wanted to be a basketball player. So, yeah, yeah, I think I was just doing too much. And he could tell I was getting tired and you know, <laughs> staying up late and doing both. And right. so I made a choice. Yeah. But basketball, was it a slow burn or right away did you like it? Oh, Sixth, seventh grade? Man, I, I loved it. I used yeah. to dream about it. And um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a fire burning deep inside me. I really wanted to play the game and I always wanted I think in the back of my mind even as my coaches were talking to me I was like oh I don't think I would do that I would do this or I wouldn't say it this way I would say it this way so for some reason in my head I always I always felt like I was going to be a coach at some day yeah and when you're that line right there I wouldn't say it that way I'd say it this way you're talking about how they're talking to one of their players or something like that when our when our coaches would be talking to our team right I was strategizing in my head of what I would say and what I would do. Yeah. Can you give an example? Are you talking like the delivery of the thing or the actual uh, tactical? I, I think, I think basically Logan, it was more like 
I distinctly remember when our JV coach was talking to us about what we need to do to do against the team or whatever. Right. And I remember it playing in my head what I would say. Yeah. To motivate us. Sure. Or to strategize the whole ball of wax. Right. And uh, I don't know why, but that was that's the way I was. Yeah. No, because there's this thing where if something comes natural to you, uh, somebody else wouldn't have that, right? But also there's this thing where for whatever reason you had that naturally and it just came to you to the point where you don't even know why or where it is yeah. or whatever. But I guess I'm curious if because I think a lot about delivery, right? Like in my life of how I speak to my kids, how I interact with the world around me, how if I was a coach, how I'd talk to my kids and... and putting a lot of emphasis on how you say something, not necessarily what you're saying. Like you say, you're giving a tactical thing about what to play is like, Hey, you need to move from here to here. And this is why, and whatever I'm putting a ton of emphasis on like the, the words, the tone, how I'm saying it, whatever else, like, is that what you're talking about? Or are you also talking about actually X and O's and move here and do this? Or? Um, pretty much about the communication. Okay. Because I don't, I don't know why, but, um, yeah, I've always thought about how would I communicate. Mm -hmm. The X's and O's, yeah, maybe a little bit, mm -hmm. but it was more about the communication. How would I relate to people? How would I motivate people? Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, I was always in in the in my soul. Yeah. No, I can feel it. I, I really, I mean, I really enjoyed your you as a coach the whole time of my basketball career right um and there are stories i could pull from which i'll tell eventually of things you said or done and, and a maybe a confession <laughs> well i could tell I'll... some stories about you too logan <laughs> uh, yeah and i got a confession i confessed the other day i'll tell you eventually yeah. about a basketball thing but anyways uh i could feel that for sure like you were a pro i mean whether or not what level you're at right i mean as as a kid as a as a sixth grader as a seventh grader as a jv basketball player um at least to me you really connected right uh there's a different level that you were at that I, in hindsight, I could tell it was very intentional or it felt that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, I guess I'm curious and maybe, I don't know if there's things you've thought about is like, yeah, you had a natural calling for it, but that must tie into the year, why you became a teacher, why you're a principal too, right? That whole bit. Well, Logan, you know, I was thinking of this the other day when I was a kid, we had my, my dad had, seven siblings that lived in white pine okay and they all had kids and yeah. i was the oldest kid of all the cousins hmm. so i babysat maybe three days a week hmm. at the time i didn't always want to babysit but i sort of had to right and i was always organizing something some kind of a game yeah or in the neighborhood i was always the oldest in the neighborhood so i was the one that was on the phone and I'd call up the neighborhood kids and say, hey, we're getting a game going. Yeah. Or I would develop like Olympics. One time I set up Olympics <laughs> in my backyard. And of course I was, I set it up where I'd win most of the time, you know. Right. But I was always setting up something and organizing something. Yeah. And so, and also I was always comfortable around kids. Yeah. And I knew that I had um, a gift. Yes. Yeah. Not to brag or anything, but I always felt like I had a gift to communicate with kids right and so the through the process of going through college you start sort of trying to struggle with what are you going to do mm -hmm. it always kept falling back to teaching yeah. teaching and coaching huh. and so that's i got lucky i got lucky yeah and what did you go to school for was it teaching i mean you eventually changed into teaching or what well, were you thinking i going think into i school? changed my degree seven times before i fell into teaching okay yeah um so, yeah, I was sort of floundering and trying to figure out what to do. Yeah. 
and, and teaching just because of that same, the gift and the draw to help kids and communicate with kids or whatever it was. And what teaching you're a PE teacher or what were you? I, don't, yeah, I was an uh, elementary phi ed teacher and a okay. health major in phi ed. Okay. And so I taught phi ed for nine years. Yeah. And when I came to Calumet at that time, they had, they had cut out music and phi ed for, I don't know, like six or eight years. Wow. So in 1988, I was I started a brand new program in the bottom of Morrison School, yeah. which was a basement. Right. And so I painted 30 stars on the floor, and we started calisthenics and came up with a program, and I loved it. Huh. Um, the only problem is that when the basement, it was so loud, I was starting to lose my hearing, believe hmm. it or not. So, yeah, I decided to go in a different direction and uh, go into administration and... The rest is history. Yeah, because my exposure, you were a principal for all of my school life. Yeah. I didn't know you as a PE teacher prior to then. So you were a, all at that Morrison school, you were a PE well, teacher? Well, I bounced from Morrison to Mohawk to the Washington Middle School. Okay. So I was a travel and gym teacher. So I sure. had all three buildings. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then you got into administration. Were you uh, the principal of Washington Middle School right away then? No. Uh, my first administrative job was as the athletic director and assistant principal of the Calumet High School. Okay. So at that time, uh, we had about 450, 475 students. And so I had that. And I also was also the varsity basketball coach. Okay. So I did that for two years. Yeah. And that was not going very well for me. I was not happy. Hmm. I did not like uh, working in the high school. Sure. Um, so then I moved over to the middle school. Yeah. And we don't have to go too far in depth, yeah. but what, what, what did you like about it? And we can touch on it and go, or I'm just yeah, curious. Yeah, well, about... basically... Logan, all I did all day long was discipline. Okay. And I found out that, you know, I was attracted to the athletic director job. Right. Uh, I didn't like that um, just because you're just dealing with complaints from all levels. Yeah. Of people that are involved. And then the assistant principalship, all I was doing was d discipline all day long. Sure. And at that time, we didn't have an alternative education program. So it was, you know, I was putting in 10, 12, 14 hours a day, six days a week. And so having four little kids at home, that wasn't a good life. No. So right. I've, I was lucky that the middle school position opened up and I applied for that. And yeah, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And is it a uh, middle school is a different animal than high school? You're just the way the kids dynamic is or what? Yeah, yeah. it is. But it's a good dynamic. It's uh, it's energy every right. day. It's energy. Yeah. And the kids are young enough that, you know, They'll listen to you, and you can teach them. Mm -hmm. um, and they're old enough that you can talk to them at a at a you know a respectful level. So mm -hmm. it's um, middle school. You either like it or you don't. There's no in between. You're not sure. I mean, you either love it or you don't. And right. I loved it. It was like a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, and coaching. You said you always felt like you knew you were going to be a coach. What was that like? You coached varsity for a couple of years, but then eventually, again, thinking about the history, but also like what it meant to you. Was that a what that what that yeah, yeah that whole picture? Well, you know, um, like I said, when I first moved here, I wanted I was, I was the seventh grade girls basketball coach and then JV boys basketball coach, and then the next year I was uh, asked to be the high school varsity coach. Mm -hmm. And looking back at that, um, you know, I did the best I could. I wish I would have had a little bit more mentorship, sure. more time to to learn. Right. Uh, you know, I was 23 years old, and some of the kids that I was coaching are 19 years old. Yeah. And so, um, but I, I'm really proud of what my contributions were to the basketball program at Kelly Matt because, you know, when we when I first got there, they, they had an elementary basketball program, but it was in the springtime. Yeah. Well, there were 75 kids there. But as soon as we got to the basketball season, only six or eight of them would come out. And 
Um, so we started an elementary program that went head to head with hockey, mm-hmm. and I started the f- first uh, tournament in the winter time around here mm-hmm. um, for elementary kids, and I think it made a huge impact on the program. It took a long time, yeah, but developing that elementary program is paying dividends for boys and girls. Yeah, for sure. What year did you roughly start that elementary program? Uh, in 1990. 90, okay. 1990. Gotcha. So I was born in 93, so started in 2000-ish or something like that. Or wait, 2003. I'm trying to think of what age you start. Third grade, essentially, yeah. is what that mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Um, so it was pretty established at that point. And I had people that I could, you know, brothers or sisters that yeah. were in it prior to me as well. Yeah. But for me, basketball, I wasn't even on my radar until then, until I, uh, my mom signed me up for it or whatever else. I, same deal. I was not any good at it, but in my head, you just, you're a hockey player, right? In the UP, that's what you do. You mm-hmm. go play hockey. <clears throat> Eventually basketball took over and it was quick. Like third, I mean, that first year or that second year, it was like, this is unreal. But I think you had a big impact on that. The energy that you brought or the excitement or whatever else seems like it. That's what my memory recalls. Well, yeah. my memory is uh, my f- fondest memory of your class was when we were in fourth grade. And we took you kids down to Green Bay for a tournament. Yeah. <laughs> with all these class A schools, we walked in with our red, white, and blue basketballs and said, "Let's go." Yeah. And I think we lost every game, right? But they were close games. Yeah. And that was the moment I was like, "Hmm, this could be a championship team." And you guys are pretty darn good. Yeah. Yeah, we had so. a good team, and it was fun to play together through all the years, right? Yeah. And you were there from for most of the time. I mean, if not every time, because yeah. Andy was there, whatever else. So even varsity, you were assistant coach and yeah. helping there the whole bit. But yeah. um, fun memories for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, I'll I'll even just talk about it right now. The wh- quite a bit on this podcast, I talk about people that have made an impact on your life, and for sure, you've made that impact. And and part of the reason I had this even started this podcast is thinking like, hey let's have this conversation because a lot of life, a lot of people think this, like you've coached a ton of people who think the same thing, but you just never have the conversation. You know, you might pass each other by, but I'm on a mission. I'm going here. Hey, have a nice day. But you never sit down and say, Hey, thanks for everything you've done or the impact that you've had or whatever. So it's almost forcing me to do this, even though it's like, maybe it's uncomfortable. I don't know. It shouldn't be, but it feels sometimes uncomfortable just to be like, Hey, thanks for everything you've done. Right. But, um, there's a, I don't know if you remember this. I think I was in ninth grade, 10th grade at a varsity basketball camp at Michigan tech. Um, and I kept making mistakes. I don't remember what I was doing, but like five times in a row. And every time you said, Hey, what's going on here? I had an excuse for you. And like the fifth one, you're like, you need to start taking ownership. Like you're, you've come up with an excuse for every mistake you've made over these last five times. Like you need to look in the mirror and well, however you worded it, yeah. either way, the message was clear of like, it's not anybody else's fault. Yeah. You make a mistake, it's on you, right? So I thought about that and dwelled on that. And to the point, to, still to this day, every time I'm getting down on myself or things are getting hard or whatever else, you know, you get these chain of times where things like, nah, nothing goes right. Eventually it's like, no, you need to take some ownership. Like everything in your life is because of you on a negative aspect, at least like all the, you know, you're late on this payment or whatever it might be. Any think of trial you can come up with. Usually if you really cut, break it down, you can break it back down to, choices you made or actions you made that got you to that point right um so frequently i probably thought about it 30 times in the last 10 years of you saying you need to take some ownership and that yeah it really helped me and i don't remember that at all right yeah (laughs) but i do know that that's one of the privileges of coaching and teaching is that especially with coaching i mean you can you can learn a lot of life lessons in there through the whole process and i've always said that students that are athletes um, are going to be successful because you you've got to you learn all those life lessons through sport, but you also have to balance your education and to mm-hmm. be able to do both. I mean, you're going to be successful, right? That same uh, tournament, I made a basket on the wrong bucket. 
<laughs> and we lost by one. After, yeah. right? <laughs> it's a Michigan Tech tournament. Like it didn't make a big difference, but either yeah. way, we lost by one in that yeah. one. Yeah. But no, I mentioned a confession. The other, I told Paul Torla. I never told him this for a while. I don't remember what grade. It must have been in JV basketball. We had this deal. It's embarrassing me to say right now, but at the time it was awesome that we made you do this. But you had this deal where if you made 20 free throws in a row, you had to run with us. Yeah. I made 19, but you didn't see the one that I missed. And me and Kyle agreed that, yeah, we're going to tell them we made it all. So we told you, you that we made yeah. it all. <laughs> Oh, so we made you run, but yeah. yeah. And I ran, huh? Yeah. (laughs) That's good. Never told you till now, but yeah. Um, Anyways, no, it's, uh, I, I, I thought about that again, that, that statement I've thought about many, many times that where you need to take ownership of it. And again, I, I even coming into here and I thought about telling the story, I knew you wouldn't remember because how many of those interactions do you have? Right. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure there's got to be a thousand other stories of similar people that have those same deals. Yeah, I'm sure. Have you had people come up to you and tell you those kind of stories before? Um, occasionally. And when they, when they do, they're really nice, you know, yeah. cause sometimes you go through life and you don't know if you've made an impact on anybody. You don't know, you know, sometimes you just don't get the feedback, but once you do, it's really nice to hear. Yeah. Yeah. But it's weird though. Cause I've talked to so many people on here that have the same story about somebody else, but they never told them. Right. Yeah. Like, why is that? Why is it hard to go yeah, back? I don't, and... I don't know why, but I think it's important to do. I think it's, you know, you, you going through life. I mean, there's a lot of people that have impacted me right. as well. And uh, I think it's important to let them know that, you know, you made a difference in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's coaches and teachers and then I have, I have told them, you know, that they've made a big impact on my life. Mm-hmm. Um, my high school basketball coach, I would have run through a brick wall for him. Yeah. When he spoke, I was on the edge of my seat. Right. Yeah. And so I just admired him. Yeah. And I wonder if it's, I don't know, maybe it's like my inner Finlander or something. For some reason, it's uncomfortable to even do. Yeah. Like for family members to or yeah, I think whatever. it's yeah. pretty common for people to be uncomfortable with that. Yeah. But it shouldn't be because it's like, why wouldn't you, right? Yeah. This person's helped you out a lot. Why yeah. wouldn't you go give them that yeah. feedback? And Yeah. Yeah. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at Breakwater Federal Credit Union in Houghton, Michigan. Banking with a credit union is ideal because there are less service fees and lower loan interest rates than a regular bank. Plus, they are local and staffed by our family and friends. New members can use the coupon code OBSESSED when they come to open an account and receive $50 in their account. This coupon code expires March 31st, 2023. If you're looking for a financial institution that puts you and your financial health first, be sure to check out Breakwater Federal Credit Union. Forrester Research interviewed 206 senior technology leaders in major organizations responsible for software development sourcing. 63% said their software development service partners do not have a full understanding of their end customer. If you're dead serious about moving faster and getting more done, Zeratech Software Development can help you move forward with confidence. Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help solve your problems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. As they align with their clients, they use a proven method to understand the scope of the problem and help demystify the steps to make it go away. They will deliver the software solution you need, and they do it with the integrity that you'd expect from a family-owned business in the heartland of America. Schedule a call with the team at Zeratech today at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. I'm thinking back to early days of basketball. So you played, you loved it right away. Then you played on the varsity level. Did you go play at college? I did. Okay. Yeah. That's an interesting story there too, Logan. When I was, when I was a senior, I was going to go, go into the military. Mm. So I had no desire to go to college. 
Um, so I was going to go to the military, and I went for my physical, and I failed the physical. And here at this time, I've, I've already ran a couple marathons as a young kid. I'm like, how could I fail your physical? Yeah. Well, I have a heart, uh, irregular heartbeat. Okay. And so at that time, they were just looking for an excuse to not let you go in. Sure. And so I re- flew home, and I was like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do now? Right. And I remember reading the newspaper, and there was a kid that I played basketball against from Besmer that I thought, well, I'm, he's playing at Gogebic. I'm like, well, I... In my eyes, I thought I was better than him. So, yeah. like, maybe I'll go there and give it a try, and that's what I did. Okay. And you just went out, tried out, or what did yeah, you do? Yeah, just yeah. walked on and... Yeah. Yeah. And what was that experience like? Uh, it, was, it was exciting. It was just a great team to be a part of. Um, yeah. You know, it was exciting. I didn't know if I'd make the team. I didn't know if I'd contribute, but um, it didn't take long, and I worked myself into a starting position at Kogebic. and Yeah. Yeah, it was a great, great experience. Great right. experience. And you played four years there, or how long no, did you play? No, it's two years. And they, that's just all they had at that time was a two-year. Year. college, yeah, so I played yeah. two years there. Okay. Um, so when I transferred to Northern, I, I thought about walking on there or trying, but that was that was just a different level of basketball. I wasn't at that level. Yeah, right. Uh, and what was it like then, because you coached prior to your sons being there as well, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But what was it like once they were involved in being a coach? Like while coaching them? Because there's well, got to be like was, a different level. There was a level period of time uh, when like when my oldest son, Nick, was coming through, there was a period of time where I wasn't allowed to coach because I was the athletic director. And they oh, asked, sure. They, they gave me one more year to coach, and they said after that I have to quit. Okay. So that was tough. Yeah. And so I sat on the sidelines, and um, at that time, Crozier was coaching the JV team, and my son Nick was on the team, and he had become ill. So he asked me if I would take over for a while. So I got to coach Nick for a little bit. It's different. It's different when you're coaching your kids because they don't look at you as coach. They look at you as dad. Right. And some of those emotions come into play. Yeah. Um, but when it got to the point where I coached Andy, um, my youngest, um, of course, he's a pretty pretty quiet kid. Um, we didn't have any problems. Yeah. <laughs> well, a couple of the other kids, it, was, it wasn't easy. Right. Yeah. But I'm, I'm even thinking, like, I've considered getting into coaching eventually, and I, I think you could make excuses, but right now my balance of work life and family life is too far one direction. But I thought to myself, once my kids are in those programs, then consider getting into it. Yeah. But it feels like there'd be a like, a higher level of emotion sometimes or something like that because you're more connected to your kid than other kids, Yeah, right? there, like, there's one thing I've learned is that, um, and I worked really hard at, at telling myself this, that when I coached my own kids – um, you have a tendency just to keep your eye on your own kid. Right. You do. And I've watched many friends that are coaches. Um, it's hard to be, um, what's what I'm looking for? It's hard not to favor your kid. Sure. And so you have to be very cognizant of that and right. make sure that you're looking at the, the team first. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. That's for sometimes sure. hard. Right. Um, but I, you know, what? I got into coaching it had nothing to do with my kids. Yeah. I mean, I... If my kids would have played a different sport, I still would have been coaching basketball. Yeah, for sure. No, and I, I never got the feeling at all that you there was any different. I mean, you could tell that you were Andy's father, but I'm yeah. saying I never got the feeling that there was like different treatment or anything yeah. like that, right? Well, that's good. Um, and, and for sure, you ha- I, I, I'm just putting myself in your shoes. The only way you can do that is if you're very intentional about it, right? Yeah. Um, but it's, I don't know, like there's times, like I remember watching, like when I graduated high school, going back and watch those first years, watch my brother Jack play, there's like this high level of emotion compared to if you're just watching, or like if I went watch right now, right? Yeah. Uh, so it feels like it has to be there too, watching 
or having your sons be on the team or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe you get more into that cultural where there's not that uh, amplified level of having your kid there or not. I don't know. Could you compare like teams you've coached with your kids versus without your kids and how the emotion is there or something like that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah, there's a difference. There's a difference. Um, It depends on your relationship with your your kid. I had one, one, one of my sons. We were like two of a kind and we were like, button heads on a daily basis yeah. and you can probably figure out who <laughs> yeah, that right. is <laughs> and i mean yeah. there was times it was like i just wanted to wring his neck but, right but um you know so it depends on your relationship with your kid okay um but i you know i, I really was i pretty much had passion for every single game it was yeah. hard hard to keep that in check for me sure and that's one thing i learned like when i was out of coaching for four or five years or a couple of years anyway mm-hmm. I watched and I told myself, if I ever get back in, I'm going to keep that part of my emotions in check. Hmm. And I pretty much did. Okay. Um, When I first started coaching, I was, you know, pretty loud and and could be uh, too loud, I guess, and not poised. So I learned that through the years and watching other people coach too. Yeah. So that break was almost good for you, made you a better coach. It was. It was a blessing. And I'll tell you, where I learned the most is when I was auto coaching and I was watching Crozy coach. Huh. He was our JV coach. And the one thing I'll never forget is he he did not take his start in practice. I went to his practices. He did not take his starting five versus the second five. Yeah. He divided them up equally and treated everybody equally. Mm-hmm. And everybody had a role. And I, and I was like, hmm, I didn't do that before. Right. That was a mistake. And I did that for the rest of my life. Huh. And that was one of the things I was most proud of. Like, no matter, even if at the JV level, if we'd play a game and I'd have three kids hurt or one kid sick, anybody on that bench knew their role, their position, and knew, and we didn't have to miss a beat. Mm-hmm. And there were some games, those are the most gratifying games when I'd have somebody that was ninth man on the bench and they were starting that day and they had a great game and we won because they knew what they were doing. Right. Yeah. Right. Those are bringing back good memories. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, uh, when you got out of coaching, because you don't coach at all right now, right? No. Was that a pretty hard decision, or it was no. just went along with different no. timelines? It was just, um, I don't know. You know, the older you get, um, your life changes. You know, okay. and for me, like when I got out of coaching, it was time to get out of coaching. When I got out of administration and, and retired, I didn't have a bitter bone in my body. Yeah. I loved my job. How blessed I was. But it's just try, time to try something else. You only got one life to live. Yeah. So. Right. <sighs> We can jump back into things, right? Yeah. But after you got out of coaching and then you said you got out of administration as well, we talked, you were at a assisted living center uh, as their events coordinator. I was. Uh, so that was a, a transition, right? Yeah. You enjoyed that? I did very much. Yeah. I was a little nervous about doing that. I didn't know if I would like working with senior citizens uh, as much as kids. Yeah. But it was wonderful. Yeah. It was very gratifying so my job was basically to, to schedule a week of events and to keep people moving and grooving and socializing. And sometimes it, sometimes I just go into a room and have a cup of coffee and pull up my guitar and play a few songs and and just socialize. So yeah. that's part of it too. So it was like right up my alley. Right, right. <laughs> so I really enjoyed it. It gave me a lot of, a lot of uh, pleasure and very rewarding. Yeah. And 
now we were talking about it briefly before we hopped on, but you said you're working with the Portage Health Foundation, right? I am, yes. What, what's the program that, are you, are you founding this program? Uh, or well, the Portage Health Foundation uh, is, uh, is supporting this program, but I'm the one that's getting it off the ground. Okay. And so it's called Bridges Copper Country. Yeah. And it's a two-pronged program. Um, it's a poverty initiative. So what we're doing is we're trying to do two things. We're trying to educate people that are living in poverty mm-hmm. or just a little bit above that. Um, and trying to give them some skills to help themselves um, become more stable. Yeah. And the second part of it is I want to educate our community and businesses and let them know that there's a big chunk of our community that's living in poverty um, that needs some boundaries eliminated. Hmm. We need to create some compassion and empathy for those folks. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's pretty much around 19% of the copper country is living in poverty. Yeah. And about 49% of the copper country is in uh, poverty or in the Alice level, which is asset limited. So they're living paycheck to paycheck, 49% Logan. Right. That's a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. It is, it is weird. So when we were growing up, or like when I was growing up, it was like, you almost, you had to go to college, you had to move away to make it, or you're just gonna be totally scraping by. Um, and that still can be the case. I mean, you just told me those stats right there, right? There's a lot of people that are still in that mode, but it does feel like there's tons of opportunity out there. But so I'm saying like right now in the copper country, it feels like the opportunity the uh, to, to rise or push yourself or whatever is way higher now than it was even 15 years ago. So I'm curious what the stats were then, probably much worse than they are now even, eh? 20 years ago, for example. Or, I don't know. That'd be a good, good thing to find out. I'm not sure. Yeah. But either way, I guess what I'm trying to say is that even though my mindset has shifted, is that there's like part of what you said is there's this push to educate the community that this is still here, right? That there's a lot of people that are still struggling or still. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think there's a good chunk of our community that has no idea. Right. Uh, Because you're really not, we're all in different social economic classes and and who we hang out with. Yeah. Um, But there's a good chunk of our folks that have no clue that there's people that are this poor. Right. Um, And a lot of times, Logan, you you know um, you can live in poverty or situational poverty and you don't have a clue. Mm-hmm. I mean, just because you're in poverty doesn't mean you don't have a good life. Right. You could have a great mom and dad and things are in your eyes going well. You that's the only life you know. Right. Um, so what we're trying to do is just try to open up some eyes and just say, hey, here's some things you could do to even have a better life, an even more stable life. Right. So. Yeah. And what does that look like? You said you're putting on a class here shortly. Yeah, we're gonna have a class that's called Getting Ahead. Okay. And so. Um, it's a curriculum that we follow. It's a 16-week course. Mm-hmm. And so we'll meet Tuesday nights for three hours. And basically, I'll be facilitating. I won't be teaching it. Yeah. It's just basically a roundtable kind of thing where we talk about where are you in your life? What are some of your struggles? Um, what do you see as your future? Mm-hmm. And then we come up with a plan of how you're going to get to that future. Right. So to me, I think that, that it's going to help a lot of people. Yeah. It's going to take some time, but hopefully, eventually, we'll make our whole community a Bridges community. Right. Um, that's super interesting to me because that's a lot of what this podcast is, right? I'm, I've typically been celebrating people that I really appreciate that have taken it to the next level or, or something about them that says, hey, I want to explore that or somebody that's impacted my life like ha- like having you on right now or whatever. But the, the same pro- process would apply to anybody of like, I really enjoy like, hey, what's important to you? Where that where is that taking you? Where are you going? And then also look at like, hey, like clearly there's this connection. Like you were meant to coach and you perceive that. How many people are meant to coach or meant to do this and they're not in that wheelhouse? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and doesn't mean 
I don't know. I guess I tie that into, have you read the book Man's Search for Meaning? Are you familiar with that? No. It's a guy, I talked about it on a recent one where there's a guy, Victor Frankl. He's a psychologist that went through the concentration camps in Germany during World War II. Um, and he was a psychologist before then, but going through this intense struggle of surviving this against all odds concentration camps helped inform him what like the meaning of life is, right? And for everybody it can be different and it can also evolve for each person through time. But eventually came upon the realization that there's basically three things that give you meaning. One of them is to love somebody, a father, a mother, a kid, a child, intense love, like a dedication that, that gives somebody great meaning. Uh, another is intense, unavoidable struggle. Um, so if you, somebody living through a concentration camp, if they accept and like own their struggle of making it through this for some higher purpose, that can give you meaning in a weird way. Um, or even picturing somebody who's, I've related it to like a really, really struggling mining job and you're, it, the job is horrible but you're doing it for the sake of your kids or your wife or whatever else. And that gives you meaning and gives you purpose to pound this hammer for 18 hours a day or whatever. Right. Yeah. But so intense, unavoidable struggle, or the third one is, and this is a big one that I think is like, uh, finding out what your ultimate calling is. Like you personally, you have one that's specific to you and you found it through coaching and teaching and whatever else it might be that if you have that, like what is your ultimate calling and pursuing that and, 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 like living that lifestyle yeah. of pursuing that is yeah. what gives a ton of people meaning. So if you have somebody outside of that, like the, they talks about like the unemployed person, uh, how they're just like this empty hollow feeling. Yeah. And I think you could put the same person who's living a meaning. I mean, I don't, I don't know the words to put to it, but living a job that doesn't fulfill them isn't yeah. in their calling that that can be an empty and hollow feeling. Right. And yeah. that's kind of like what you're working on is like, Hey, what, who are you meant to be? Yeah. Right. Uh, and then even thinking about that, I, I've struggled with that of like, there's times I find myself in that mode, like, Hey, I'm not doing what I'm meant to do from like a life calling or a purpose thing or whatever it might be. And it's like, why aren't you happy with that? And then I put myself in the shoes of my grandpa who was a minor or whatever he did. And like, he had no choice, but then that kind of goes back to where it's like, exactly. You had no choice. You're doing this thing for the sake of others and you'd find meaning in that. But most of us aren't in that situation where we have no choice. Like yeah. there's ways to get out of that. I don't know. I just think about that as like that ties into that same deal yeah. of like finding out who you're meant to be. I don't know. Yeah, that, I think some, yeah, it's, uh, I don't think everybody is that lucky. You yeah. know, I was telling somebody the other day how fortunate I am because I was every job that I've had, except for the yeah. high school assistant principal yeah. for a couple of years, every job I've had, I've enjoyed. And yeah. it's been, it's not been a job. Yeah. Um, I feel bad for people that have to get up in the morning. They, they got to go do something they don't like to do. Yeah. Or they're dreading like, oh, is it Friday yet? And I have never had that in my life. Yeah. Um, so to me, it's just, it's just been, I've been blessed. Yeah. And I remember, I remember when I was well, my sixth or seventh or eighth year of teaching, I remember being in, in my house when I lived in Calumet. And tell my wife, I just have this strong calling, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know what it is. Huh. And um, to do something more than what I was doing. And um, so I think the big guy upstairs sometimes has a lot to do with that and being in the right place at the right time. And Yeah. Yeah. And that's when that pushed you into administration. Yeah, I started looking things, into so. administration and then something popped up and then yeah. the rest is history. And so I got to coach. I got to be an administrator, mm -hmm. um, make a big impact. You know, at least I 
feel like I did, you know, For you sure. know when you're an administrator, you really don't get many, mm-hmm. you don't get many conversations with people saying, Hey, thanks for what you did. Right. Um, like teaching, teaching, you do get some pats on the back and not that I'm in it for that at all, but all right. I knew, yeah. I knew in my heart that I was making a difference and I enjoyed it. I, how, how lucky can you be? Right. Right. <clears throat> no, it's, uh, that's exciting to me, but there's almost like there's two, like in my head, you, you should be in one of two areas. And again, this is just me spitballing, but either you're in this mode where you are, where you're, you found your calling, you're pursuing this thing. Not all days are great. Some days struggle, but you're still doing this thing that has this greater purpose that fits whatever the theme of your life is or whatever. Or the other area that's content is you are working this, whether it's a tough job or a job you don't like, because there's no other option right now and you're making it work because you have to, for the sake of this, this, and this. But I think most people are in between there somewhere. Most people aren't necessarily stuck in this mining job, right? Or I'm using that as the, a placeholder for the yeah. job that you don't like, but you're doing it. And, and a lot of people aren't in that role where it's uniquely fit for them and who they are and what gifts they bring to the table. They're in the middle somewhere. And I struggle with the fact like, what? let's get you out of there. You know, I don't know. I, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I think I know what you're saying, Logan. It's right. some of, you know, some of it's luck. Yeah. Some of it's being in the right place at the right time. You know, part of like our going back to our Bridges Copper Country program, one thing that we're going to do through our program is we're going to help create more social capital for these folks. Okay. So a lot of these folks don't have some of the connections. I mean, you and I, we've probably been lucky that we've known somebody that has helped us get a position. Yeah. Or sure. lifted us up. Right. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to create more social capital so they have more contacts to, to, who knows, increase their banking, increase their health benefits, um, or just make contact where they can maybe even get a better job. Right? Maybe they're making eight bucks an hour and we can find a job where they're making 20 bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, what a big change of life that would be. Right, right. You know, so, but sometimes it's who you know and what are your connections. Yeah, and are you saying that you would potentially work with different community leaders or something like that to have them be uh, assets to help folks out that are looking for help or what? Yeah, we're going to help <clears throat> throughout the 16 week uh, class. We're going to have people from our community come in and speak. Yeah. And, and uh, help develop some of those connections so that, yeah, hmm. maybe they do meet somebody that can help them. Yeah. Do you envision it's still like you're a coach again, right? That's what it is essentially, right? You know what, Logan? When I was at Garden View, I was a coach. Yeah. And with this job, I'm going to be a coach. You're yeah. exactly right. Um, is that we talked earlier about like the delivery that you talked about, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the same stuff applies, right? You've got a lifetime learned to, so now you're in this role where, Hey, I'm your delivery is a huge deal, but like how much, a lot of what I'm interested in here is like the psychology of the individual, which ties into this, this search for meaning, right. And where have you been and where yeah. are you going? All that kind of stuff. But is that kind of, uh, do you think you'll take that kind of approach? Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm. I think one of the things that's important is um, you need to be very honest. Yeah, and you got to be vulnerable. Right, and you got to lay your guts out on the table with who you are because how are you know I've had a privileged life. Right, you know when I was a kid I grew up in situational poverty. Sure. I had no idea. Right, my dad was a miner. You're talking about mining. My mm-hmm. dad was a copper miner for 34 years. Right, but when the mine was on strike. Hey, we were on welfare stamps. Right. Um, we sometimes had it rough, but we had no idea. Yeah. I mean, we had supper on the table at five o'clock every night, and um, 
my dad was pretty strict about certain things. Looking back at that, I'm like, now I know why. Yeah. Because money was tight. Right. So that's about the only thing I can relate. Right. Um, but, you know, the, the whole program is about developing relationships and being vulnerable and just being open and yeah. saying, here's where we are and where do we want to go and how are we going to get there? Mm-hmm. No, I can see it too. And then you have people that come through and then through that world, they help themselves, they get to a better place. They're in a much better place mentally, emotionally, whatever else. Now they can come back and help people in the same That's the system, plan. right? That's the plan. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And it, I, I feel like I have questions within me. I'm not, I'm not like searching for them, but I feel like I have like, uh, like a... I don't know what I'm trying to say other than like, it's powerful. Like if you can make that work, right? If you can make it work and help some people and do that and, and, and help them get to that other level, I don't know. There's something it, about it. It yeah. is. This is like, uh, I, I think in like five to 10 years, people in our community are going to gonna know what the Bridges Copper Country program is all about. And they're going to like say, wow, that's, that's very impactful for everybody involved. Right. Um, we drove down to Muskogee, Oklahoma, and, and looked at a program that's been in existence for about eleven years. Yeah, and they're one of the best programs in the nation. Yeah, and uh, the things that they're doing down there, we we're going to do here. Yeah, um, and that's that's a whole big topic there, Logan. Someday we can talk about that. But yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to make a big difference. Yeah, it feels like I don't know. It fits this whole thing of like this community, right? This copper country community. It's kind of like stronger as one or whatever it might be and yeah. then helping each other out and then the whole bit. But I don't know. It just feels like in my head, there's like this movement of, uh, I guess, again, I talked about it like with the opportunity that's in the area yeah. right now, it feels like there's a ton of it, even though again, a lot of people are struggling, but it feels like there's like this interconnected world that this whole place is involved in. Um, just moving towards a better place. The Copper Country yeah. is a great place to live. Yeah. And there are a lot of wonderful people that will help us. Right. You know, so we just got to get our program started and and uh, our community is going to circle around this just like they have with everything else. Right. And so that's why I think we're going to even be, you know, I think we're going to be one of the best programs in the nation after a while. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm curious, do you have moments i guess it's kind of a double-edged question like favorite moments from the teaching the coaching side of things but it feels like there'd be times where things get monotonous and then you have this moment as a as an administrator or as a coach or whatever it might be where it's like wow that's why that's why you do this right um but anyways do you have favorite moments from like teaching coaching that you can think back on uh, hard question potentially yeah but. well i have a lot of great coaching memories um one of my best memories is when you and your team won the districts mm-hmm. um I mean that was like uh, that was that was a goal of mine from 1990. Yeah, and to see that finally come to fruition. I mean, you think about it. The first it probably was 50 or 60 years since we've ever done that. Right. So and since then we've done it a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But that was a very emotional night for me. Yeah. Logan. Oh yeah. Um, and even though I wasn't the head coach, I knew I had a part in it. Oh yeah. And Big so guy. that felt good to be a part of it. So. Yeah, yeah, that was one of my favorite memories. Another favorite memory is the team, the team that I had um, in '96, '97. We had some really good teams then. Yeah, and I those are kids that we started the program, the elementary program in third grade, hmm. and to watch them grow until they were seniors was ridiculous. I think in the '90s we won more UP or state championships than any school in the state of Michigan. 
I mean, it was just yeah. know, the amount of talent that we had. You're saying UP wide? UP wide. Sure. Yeah. 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 Huh. So, so some of those games were really high-end oh, basketball, yeah. hey? Oh, yeah. yeah. We had some really good teams. We were 18-2 and two and 17-3. and three and huh. Yeah, but unfortunately, you know, with good memories come bad memories, and we lost three district championships in a row. Yeah. And we were favored heavily to win each one of those, and – um, we lost all of them. Yeah. So those were <laughs> darn near traumatic for me, Logan. Right. I mean, very, very upsetting to lose. But there are lessons in life. You yeah. know, there, there were great lessons in life. And looking back at it, I don't think we were, I don't think I had the teams prepared and we were, we overlooked teams. And um, if I could do it over again, I know what I'd do. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember when we were winning districts that, that final game to win the districts again yeah. it's just the local deal but it was a big deal for us right it was yeah. like calumet's four minute mile for their basketball program yeah. like you had to get through that and then go from there There was a big monkey on our back yeah yeah when we when we were about to win that i don't remember if you told me or, or either way i heard you or whatever else but it was like guys we don't celebrate till that timer is over and this game <laughs> is over like you went no part of you was i yeah. remember we were ahead by maybe 10 with like 45 seconds to go or something yeah. like that and Ode says hey maybe we should put some of the bench in I said are you crazy right. <laughs> this isn't over yet yeah. <laughs> and he just looked at me and laughed I go and but really I mean it I didn't realize we won it to the last second yeah it was that intense yeah so that was cool that was a fun that experience. was a great that was a great moment you know that yeah, and that took a long time to happen, but you guys finally broke through. Right. You were the class, so that's something to be proud of. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What about on the uh, administrative side of things? Do you have those? Oh, my gosh. I have, yeah, I have very many good memories um, and a lot to be proud of, really. I mean, uh, one of the things that I realized in a hurry was that climate, school climate was critical. Mm -hmm. And when I first took over, our school climate was not very safe. Hmm. It was. It wasn't. It, uh, and I knew we needed to make some change. So we put in some heavy discipline. Um, hired an assistant principal. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things we did is we started a school social worker program. I'm very proud of that. That I think we were the first school to move away from a guidance counselor position and have somebody work with our kids within the school. Mm -hmm. That was pretty controversial at the time. Hmm. I think people were nervous. Like, what are you? trying to do right um but now you look around like everybody's got a school social worker yeah uh another thing i'm very proud of is that in um i forget what year it was but we i started the alternative program at horizons sure that was a middle school program yeah and so we did that for a couple of years and we had a teacher and we had a the, the idea was 50 percent of it was going to be on reading and curriculum reading was a big deficit mm -hmm. and the other part was social behavior sure and so we concentrate on those two things and and now it's turned into the alternative uh, horizons program for high school. So yeah, pretty proud of both of those ideas and, and right. uh, programs. Yeah, and and you talked about <clears throat> excuse me climate, and that was like a bullying thing or whatever it might be. It was or... just it was just um, there just wasn't enough help, and we, we there just wasn't enough discipline at that time. Yeah, and um, so we had to do some hard work there and go through some tough times to change the climate. Right. Um, there was bullying, yes, there was bullying, there was fighting, there was, you know, there was just, um, there was a lot of at-risk kids that just weren't behaving properly. Right. And um, that's why we needed to, we needed to get more help when you got an assistant principal, a school social worker, mm -hmm. and we needed to implement some middle school concepts. So that's another thing we did. Hmm. We, we started with teaming, so that means that we had a group of teachers that would plan together, talk about kids, 
um, and work together instead of in silos. Mm-hmm. Uh, we instituted a thing called Primetime, which was an advisory program. Maybe you remember that. I think so, yeah. And basically, yeah. it was just 20, 25 minutes of time where we did things outside of the curriculum where we just get to meet kids and develop relationships. That was the whole idea. Right. Create small classrooms and improve our relationships with students. Yeah. And and also in the last couple of years, we had a positive behavior intervention program and capturing kids' hearts. So there was more programs to identify who needs a little bit more TLC. Right. And how can we increase our relationships with kids? Because that makes it a better climate. Right. So, yeah, it's uh, all that stuff is great, right? It's it's good to do that because clearly, again, you can see a difference over time. But there's kind of this thing like when I I'm just picturing myself in school, like the things that impacted me was the way that specific. But I guess that's again having those people in place, right? But the way that you as a coach or specific teachers would treat you or talk to you or whatever else, right? Um, outside of any type of programs or something like that, right? But I, yeah, did you? I guess just thinking, did you have, you didn't necessarily get that feedback a lot, eh? Like as a principal, as an administrator, like you said, you don't get as many like uh, no. kids that come back to you and say, hey, thanks for this or appreciate that or whatever it might be. Eh? No, you don't You don't get that very often. But when you do, there, there's special moments. But, yeah. you know, you know in your heart that you're doing good things. And for sure. We just had a great, we had a great staff. That's, that's probably my biggest strength was hiring great teachers. Sure. I mean, so if you hire great teachers, you just get out of the way and let them do their jobs. Yeah. And then you, you institute some of these programs and you work together and we were blessed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, and the music side of things, hopping back to that, yeah. right? Um, you're still, you, it's been a while since you've done anything there? Uh, yeah, on a, on a, it's, it's been a couple of years. Um, you know, with the pandemic, when that came in, we sort of shut down shop and mm-hmm. didn't go out and play very much. And, and my partner's playing with a different band right now. Sure. And so I'm very happy for him because if it was up to him, he'd play seven days a week. Yeah. And I'd like to play out maybe once a month. Sure. <laughs> so sure. there's a different level of, uh, you know, wanting to play out as much. But yeah, um, yeah, I can foresee it in the future where maybe I, you know, when I retire, do it as a, do it more. And right. I'm always playing guitar at home and practice and learn a new thing. So yeah. it's a lot of, a lot of enjoyment. Right. And, uh, the, the bridges, bridges, copper country, right? I, I keep going back yeah. to that. I've just, it feels like there's this thing that I can't even put words to. And I kind of hinted at it earlier again, like this, I don't, I like it. I guess what I'm trying to say is just yeah. the fact that it's like building everybody up. And if yeah, I don't know. There's something about it. And I don't even, I still, I'm struggling to put words. Well, there's that. a lot more to the program. And yeah. that's why I, I'm a little leery of getting too far into oh, it because sure. we could go two, three hours on that okay. alone because it's, it's really, um, it's like you said, it's lifting people up. Right. And to me, that's the kind of job I want where I can, it's going to be very rewarding for me. I'm right. giving. And there's the older you get, Logan, the more you're going to realize that the best give, give, gifts in life are when you're giving to somebody else. Yeah. And to me, that's just, that's just the best feeling. Right. So. No, the super exciting part for me is like, again, the thinking back about that, what's, what's your meaning in life or what's your calling in life. We talk about you being a coach again, is that same deal of like how many people are totally unaware of that, or if they're aware of it, they don't have the tools or resources to pursue it or whatever it might be. I've had so many people reach out to me after starting this and hearing all these conversations like, wow, this is so cool. It's really inspired me to think about this or do yeah. this or yeah. really consider like, hey, what is important in my life, right? So I feel like that's why it really excites me is just really yeah. 
outside of like the tools and the mechanisms and the, again, the social capital or whatever it might be to get you there. But like, what is actually important to you? That's the super exciting part to me. Um, that I think through some of those things, you'll be able to help people find that yeah. potentially. Yeah. Or even have the courage to reach yeah. for it. And, you know, yeah. and, and I think as human beings, we don't spend a lot of time thinking about where we are in life. Right. And is it good? Is it bad? And where do we want to go? And then how are we going to get there? Yeah. You know, this getting ahead class that we're going to be providing for people that are struggling could be for anybody. Right. I mean, we've talked about it in our office. Like, we all should do this. Yeah. Because you can map out things in your life that are going really well and things that are not so well. Mm -hmm. And, like, where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 10 years? Right. And then how are you going to get there? Yeah. If you don't come up with a plan, you're not going to get there. Right. Um, So you just can't. You got to make it happen. Yeah. And so that's basically what our goal is. Right. Come up with a plan and get there. The other exciting part is the the generational aspect, right? You change one one person, that changes a, a whole family tree, right? Uh, their kids, their kids after those. I mean, typically it's a, a trajectory of a family does follow the path that was before them probably, right? Without oh, 100%. Outside help. 100%. Yeah. I mean, to break that cycle of poverty is, is generational poverty is very, very difficult to do. Right. And they may have to sever a relationship yeah. or move out or drastically change your life to be that one person that jumps out of that cycle. Right. Um, and I can tell you that we tried many things. I could see this firsthand in the school. Um, and we tried many things to try to tackle this, but it wasn't enough. Yeah. And I can't say that we were successful at all. Right. This Bridges Copper Country, I think, is going. it has the has the we're gonna have the tools to help people yeah. at least give it a try. Right. Do you how do you get people to be open to something like that? That's the hard part. You yeah. if you get they've gotta trust you. And right. a lot of folks that have been dealing with uh, poverty or in social services or um, you know, they've had many, many agencies tell them, you need to do this, right. you need to do this. And if you do this, you're going to be successful. Right. Well, you know what? Those programs don't work. Right. And so we have to develop relationships. It's just like everything else we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. They've, we've got to develop a relationship where there's one of trust and um, they come up with a plan. Mm-hmm. I don't come up with a plan. Uh, other agencies around the community, they don't come up with a plan. Right. They take a look at themselves and say, hey, this is what I'd like to do and this is how I'm going to do it. Right. So I think that that's what makes it success. That's what's going to make it successful. Sure. Yeah, because it seems like that would be the hard part is, yeah, getting, but then again, you get that initial success and you have people that can go back in, like reach back in and lift somebody else up and say, hey, we need to, you need to be a part of this, right? Yeah, well, if you think yeah. it's just if one person gets out of that generational poverty, they right. get married, they have children, that's a whole family that's out of that generational poverty. Right. You need one person at a time, and it's going to make a difference. Yeah, but I think you can spread out way beyond even their family too, right? Like I'm saying myself personally, if I, like in a, in a social circle, if you've got a group of people all working towards betterment or helping themselves, and that's who you surround yourself with, you all like impact this one person impacts everybody in that circle too, right? Um, that it's more than just their kids. It's their friends they grew up with yeah. or parents or whatever, right? One person can make a big difference in a lot of people's lives. Yeah. You know, I, th- I had, used to have a saying in my office, that if you think uh, one person can't make it, something like if you ever think of making a difference, think of what a mosquito in a tent. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> one mosquito can cause a lot of havoc, so. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
So I'm 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 excited about it, Logan, and I'm I'm anxious to see what it's going to look like in five to ten years because I think this is going to be in our community for a long, long time. Yeah, right. It's uh, it's almost like a startup, right? I mean, like, exactly. Uh, it is yeah. once it's there and it's got momentum. Now it's proven results. People yeah. know. I mean, re- again, word of mouth, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that's the initial thing is saying, "Hey, we're here to help you." let us do that right yeah and i yeah. think after we get our first class under our belt i think the word of mouth is going to be the best sales yeah we can have because it's you know it's just like you and i talk and if i tell you something and mm-hmm. we know each other you're going to believe me for sure versus right. having another agency telling you what you need to do that that just yeah. doesn't work right so yeah right no it's exciting to hear about um again i was i asked you to come on before i even knew that you were a part of that and then i seen you share something that you were and i was thinking man how cool is that that fits everything of this whole deal of what yeah what i enjoy talking about or what i'm yeah. uh, almost like what i'm seeking or what i don't know but it's yeah fun to hear about um is there anything else we shouldn't have or anything else we should have covered that we didn't cover anything yeah fun to hear about the whole world the basketball the coaching that side of yeah. it but anything else that we did i think it's you know i didn't even think of this until you brought it up is this like my whole life has sort of been like coaching yeah and um helping people yeah i like that so i've been very blessed to just stumble into the right place at the right time yeah yeah when you got into this bridges copper country did you look at it as being another coaching role well truthfully i just i didn't really fully understand it okay um and i took a i took a chance yeah and uh jumped at it and you know, I remember talking to Kevin Storr when um, we were talking about it, and I said, well, I really like making a difference, and I'm, I feel like I'm doing that at Garden View. Mm-hmm. And he told me, well, if you're making a difference there, that's a small community. Mm-hmm. He said, just imagine the impact you can make on our four-county region here. Yeah. And I thought, hmm, that, that sold me. Right. And so I'm glad I took the leap because uh, we're in the middle of it. And so it's going to – we're starting January 20th. will be our fir- – no, January 30th will oh. be our first class. Okay. And I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. We should do a follow-up uh, a year, two years from now. Let's do And that. see where it's gotten you. Yeah. And see what, hear some of the feedback from people and all yeah, that kind of stuff. I'd like fun. that. But, or if we, once we get some folks that have graduated, you can talk to them and see what they think cool. about it. If you have somebody that goes through that and does that and they'd be open to that, I'd love to. You bet. I'll make that down. happen. Yeah. Yeah. But Okay. Well, thank yeah. you, Mike. Appreciate you coming welcome. down. Thank you, Logan. Yeah. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have and you feel so inclined, share this podcast with your friends, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and give us some feedback with a review. Until next time, thank you.